0: Hi, Riverside. How's it going? Good. Good. You know, there is a bit of a a, a story as to, oh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. Uh, There is a bit of a story as to the Don't Drift message, because just three months ago, I um, was unloading stuff from my wife's van, and I took my laptop out, put it behind the vehicle, and then backed over it the laptop that on the desktop has this file called where I preached what I preached, which helped me know. So I had no clue. So once he said, oh yeah, you did that message three years ago at this church, I was like, oh no way. So so uh, uh, by the way, yesterday I went through every YouTube video that Riverside's ever done since the start. And, and I, two main observations. One was, wow, I was a lot thinner in those videos. And the second observation was, uh, you could literally put together a whole comedy reel of all the intros your pastor's done for me over the years. Because they're so savage. <laughs> but if you went to Mountain Springs at Calgary's YouTube channel, it's exactly the same. So on your own time, have some fun and do that. We certainly have had a lot of fun over the years. It's been a joy to be with you guys. Any of the men at the men's retreat? Yeah, we had an awesome time together, we're so thankful. And I noticed some, where's the Israel people? Anybody come with us to Israel? Look at this, all right, good to see you guys. We had an amazing time, so uh, just super grateful to be here. Joking aside, I uh, echo, I share the same sentiments. Um, Yeah, we we have spent a lot of hotel rooms there, buddy, over the years, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit, let's pray. Okay. John chapter four, let's just get into the word, shall we? Quickly, you're like, quickly, okay. John chapter four, if you're a a note taker, this title is Share Your Faith Anyways. Share your faith anyways, and I'd just like to say, I've never preached this at any church anywhere. You guys are the first. John chapter four, verse three says this. He left Judea, this is Jesus, and departed again to Galilee but he needed to go through Samaria. Let's pause, we're gonna pray, and then we'll dive right in and walk through the rest of the chapter. Father, we thank you today for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to set the captives free, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon you as you read in the temple to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news to the poor. And Father, we wanna be those who take this incredible privilege and honor of sharing you and get out there and lift up the person of Jesus. And I just pray for anyone watching on the live stream or here today or on YouTube later, Father, would you pour out your spirit through your word today that you would get the most glory possible out of our time together, and that we might come out of here excited to share Jesus with others. We ask this for your glory, and in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. A number of years ago, yes, just briefly, I um, was running a comedy club in Western Canada, in Kelowna and got a call from WestJet Airlines. He said, can you come and uh, do some stand-up comedy, first of all, for a flight attendant staff party? So I said, sure, I did it for their Christmas party. Then they said, could you come back and uh, do you think you could come and work for us, training pilots, flight attendants, customer service agents, how to use com- comedy and humor in flight to kind of loosen tension, things like that. I thought I was sure, so I wrote one-liners. Sad to say, some of them are still around and they should have retired them, but anyway. um, And and it was a great job, but when I first got there, they said, listen, we're having a bit of a challenge with the baggage handlers. I said, "What's that?" They said, "Well, they don't have the same morale as the rest of the company. Could you do a party? We'll invite them all, and and you, could you just kind of like do some comedy and and get them kind of loosen up? And we'll help these baggage handlers, and we'll you know we want to listen to them and hear." So I thought, "What we could do is this fun thing. We'll kind of bring them to Calgary, feed them dinner, and then I'll do an open mic, and we'll get short stories from the baggage handlers, and uh, you know, and find why they're so." Grumpy, and the reason is because we're all mad at them because we don't know where our bags are. But anyway, I figured that out. So one by one, they got up and they shared stories. Here's my favorite story that was shared that night. This old guy gets up and he goes, oh, I got a story for you. He goes, (laughs) he says, working for another airline years ago as a baggage handler, and we had this situation where this lady was flying in four hours after uh, her, uh, but she sent four hours ahead her pet. And so she had put little Fluffy, whatever the cat's name was, in the um, undercarriage and checked the cat through the undercarriage. And so they were simply to take the animals off and they put them beside the carousel. Then people come and identify them. The problem was, was when the uh, animal arrived and they took it out of the undercarriage, it was, um, how shall we say, a Fluffy froze. And so, yes. Didn't make it, uh, died. So uh, this guy said, yeah. So and (laughs) this little guy goes, and so, uh, you know, back then, they said, you know, whatever we need, we'll back you guys up. We will supply to solve problems, customer problems, whatever you need. So we had this idea because there was this pet store up the road. (laughs) And so he said, so I sent Terry out. Terry got a duplicate. It was a black cat. And we took the old one out of the pet thing and threw it away. And then we put the, I mean, it's not me. I'm just sharing the story, okay? All right. A lot of cat lovers at the 1130. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyway, he said, and we just stuck the new cat in there. And uh, and he's like, but, uh, you know, then when the lady got off her flight, this lovely old lady, she wo- moves towards... The- The baggage carousel, she looks in, and he said, and me and the other baggage handlers kind of lent in, you know, like, to see what happens. She looks in, she goes, huh. She looks in again, and she goes like this, and she looked in a third time. Finally, said, I just, I went over, and I'm like, is everything okay, ma'am? And she goes, I'm looking for my cat. And he, he goes, well, isn't this your cat? And she goes, no, my cat is dead. I was taking her to be buried. So, and I never did hear how they resolved it. I don't know what you do at that point. I don't, I don't know what you do at that point. So you know what? You can't make this up. In the last service, you can't make this up. In the last service, a lady came up to me and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I was the lady who was working. I think it was Pam City was the name of the airline. I might have that wrong. And she said, I wrote the manifest for that entire story. Isn't that crazy? Wild. Now listen, um, probably a lot of those guys didn't stick around baggage handling, just my guess. Maybe they were a little burnt by the situation you could say. They probably didn't really wanna deal with pets anymore. They kinda had a rough experience and I'm guessing they're not all still serving in that area. And Why do I bring that up? Well, cause that's how it is for a lot of us when it comes to the topic of evangelism or sharing our faith. If we're honest, some of us, oh no man, I'm rocking it but some of us, we had a terrible experience. It went bad, it went south, You could call it a dead end. And we just are like, you know what? Let's just leave evangelism to the crazy evangelists. and, And that's what they're for. The problem with that is that Jesus, when he was on the scene, this is what he said. He said, you are the light of the world. And it's written in the emphatic in the Greek, it means you and nobody else. You can't look around and be like, well, he'll do it. He's good at that. We are all responsible to lift up the name and the person of Jesus. Mark 16 says this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Friends, it applies to all of us. So in the time that remains, I wanna give you seven pointers on evangelism based on how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well in John 4. Get ready, we're gonna read verse three to four. We'll get to pointer number one. Here we go. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. To which I would say, just as a commentary, "Mm, no, he didn't. You say, whoa, whoa, hold on, this is God's word. What do you mean, Joel? Well, hold on. He didn't need to go through Samaria to get to where he was going, directionally at least. See, Jews didn't go through Samaria, they went around Samaria. So why does it say this? Okay, just so you know, the road through Samaria was the shortest route to Galilee, but Jews avoided it. Why did they do that? Because there was a total hatred between Jews and Samaritans. The race came about after the Assyrian captivity of the Northern Kingdom of Israel in 721. And certain people from the nation of Israel stayed behind, and they intermarried with the Assyrians, producing the Samaritans. So the Jews of the day, these people, you could say in their eyes were half-breeds. Guys, listen, it was so bad that in the day, A Samaritan, you would use the word Samaritan as a curse word, okay, in culture. Like if your camel got stuck in traffic and you got cut off by another camel, you would just yell out, why you little Samaritan? And then your wife would be like, you'd suck the children. But anyway, that's the point is. (laughs) This was a bad word. They didn't go near Samaritans. So it's interesting the text that it says Jesus needed to go because it says I need to go through Samaria, why? Here's why, guys, don't miss it. It wasn't about directions or travel. He needed to go because he knew there was a person who needed to meet Jesus. That's why. So this becomes applicable to us how you say, point one, got a pen, jot it down, or as I said our church, push and swipe, put this in your notes, ready? You gotta go out of your way to reach people for Jesus. You gotta go out of your way to reach people. It's not gonna happen by accident, okay? I don't think I've ever heard anyone at a baptism be like, I was walking through the mall, there was a Christian walking towards me, he's reading his Bible, he didn't see me, we clashed in slow-mo, we fell to the ground, his Bible flipped up, landed on my face, it was John 3:16. I got saved in the moment, no. There's no coincidence. It happens with intentionality as you open your mouth and begin to share the gospel with others. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. And guys, listen, you've missed this. I've missed this, okay? I've got it wrong so many times. I'm like, oh, I tried to share something and just bombed. And other times I wasn't even willing to share something. So just know that even though we fail, God wants us to have the heart of Jesus to reach out still and continue going. One time my wife said to me years ago when we lived in North Carolina, Now, as a youth pastor, she said, hey, you got to cross the border in Canada, right? I said, yeah. She goes, why don't you just go further east, cross the border near my brother, because I think you could share the gospel with him. He's really close to receiving Jesus. Here's how grumpy I was. I was like, Oh, your brother? I don't really like the guy. He wore like dark goth and played death metal music all the time. And I really didn't want to. Here's how bad I bombed. I was just like, no, I don't think so, honey. And then I said this to my ever loving shame he's really far away from getting saved. Ooh, Joel, that's not good. But she kept persisting. She's like, no, 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 you should go and cross the border and you know what, just begin to share Jesus. And listen guys, but being as I'm a man and the leader of my home, I submitted to my wife and did exactly what she told me to do. (laughs) And that night, even though I had bombed, even though my heart wasn't right, I woke up to the Holy Spirit going, share Jesus with him. And I shared Jesus with him and at 3 a.m. in his basement, he prayed to receive Jesus, amen? So we've gotta do it. We're gonna get it wrong sometimes. But we need that heart that understands we have to still choose, even when we're not feeling it, to go out of our way to reach people. Look at verse five. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. "'A woman of Samaria came to draw water. "'Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.' "'For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food.'" All right, number one, you gotta go out of your way. Number two, here it is, keep it natural. I can't stress this enough. If you're taking notes, keep it natural. What do you notice about the conversation with Jesus and this woman? What does he say? He says, can I have a drink, please, basically? right? Notice he doesn't say something weird like we do sometimes. I'm just amazed the things we say when we're evangelizing. We're like, okay, okay. Uh, have you ever been washed by the blood of the lamb? Why did I say that? Why did I even say that? Makes no sense. It's even a little gross if people don't know what we're talking about. And, and we do it all the time. We're like, okay, I'm sharing the gospel. Here we go. I'm going to fight science versus God. Why would you do that? Just keep it, just keep it normal and natural, guys. Guess what? Here's what I've found, church. I've found that people aren't as afraid to talk about spiritual things as we are. Uh, and, And since we're afraid, often we get into these weird argumentative things or we say unnatural things or just straight out weird Christian stuff that makes no sense to them at all. Do you know what I'm talking about? Let me give you an example. My wife and I were doing this deep dive on prophecy in our devotions one morning, and we were studying how cool that Jesus had a second coming, the horses coming out of heaven. Uh, You know, we're riding on these horses. When you do the math, it's the church and the hosts of heaven coming back. We're on horses, and this just really hit my wife that we're riding these horses, and in her cute little way, she tells me, she goes, Man, that would be awesome. I wonder if we get to name our horses. She goes, man, I would name my horse Cassandra, which was different, but I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fun. Anyway, later that night, we go out for dinner at a restaurant and the waitress comes up to me and she says, hi, my name is? And my wife says, and I'm like, no. You already know what I'm gonna say. No way! That's what my horse is called, the one I'm riding out of heaven. It was a long, awkward pause, as there is in movies when a guy's line falls flat. And just the, Cassandra just kinda backed away slowly. And I feel like probably she hit like an emergency panic button they have for waitresses. like. You know, but I tried to rescue it with like, uh, I'll I'll have a soda and lime. It didn't work, it didn't work. (laughs) Guys, keep it natural. You just keep it natural. They're they're not afraid as much. Oh, the enemy doesn't want you to do it. And there'll be some weirdness in that way. But look, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, what's natural to talk about? Water. (laughs) It's really easy, right? When he talks to, here we go, ready? Kids ministry moment. When he talks to the fishermen, what's he talk about? fish. It's not that hard, right? He just keeps it natural. Philip, when he sees a guy in a carriage reading, does he tackle the guy off the ride or talk about something weird? No, he simply says, what are you reading? And he keeps it natural. What's next? Look at verse nine. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, right? She's in shock. Because Jesus goes past all prejudice, all racial, anything different about someone. Jesus sees the heart of the person, regardless of who they are. Jesus answers, verse 10, and says to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Here's the third one. You got a pen, jot it down. The third evangelistic pointer Avoid arguments, I love this. Now, if we had a show of hands, I'm pretty sure no one would raise their hand if I asked the question, how many of you were argued into the kingdom? I don't think we get far with our arguments, right? Nobody's like, oh, someone from Riverside started yelling at me and just, I felt like I needed to surrender to the Lord right there, that's how I met him. That's probably nobody's story. And look what she says, watch this, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, he could have gone after this. In a sense, he could have gotten defensive. After all, he was a Jew. Who was she? She was a woman and a Samaritan. And in that culture, you didn't put these together. But he pushed past prejudice. He pushed past her defensiveness, and almost attack, and he reached the woman in need. And church, listen. Wherever evangelism is taught like this, wherever evangelism is practiced by you, there's going to be warfare. And you have to realize that whenever great victory's on the line, there's gonna be warfare. And that's not just in evangelism, that's any area of your life, amen? You wanna build a great marriage? Get ready for some warfare because the enemy hates good solid marriages. You wanna be a great parent, get ready for some warfare. You wanna raise godly kids, live a pure life, share your life, be a witness at work. There's going to be opposition and an evangelism. You're gonna have to overlook an offense or two like the scripture says. And I think of it like arrows that come towards you when I'm sharing the gospel with someone. They're gonna throw some at you. Don't take them all. Don't grab the bait on all of them. Try to go for the key thing and the person's heart. Because remember, they don't know Jesus yet. Remember Paul? He said, what do you expect? They're not believers. And we need to remember that they don't have a moral compass like you do. They don't care if they swear or mock or say rotten theology in front of you, but you are not after a debate victory, friends. You're after hearts. Now, That's not to say you don't refute error in their thinking. That's what a lot of evangelism is, but it's done through a heart of love and grace that is able to do what Jesus did and just kind of see past some of that and go to the heart. So avoid arguments. Number four, let's read verses 10 to 15. So Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? What did Jesus do? He transitioned from talking about physical water to spiritual thirst. She responds in the natural, of course, and so will most of the people that you talk to. How will you produce ongoing water, is her thing. You don't even have a bucket. Like, this makes no sense. Now, listen, through questioning and pointing out error, you'll cause the people you witness to to ask you questions. That's natural. Because what you're saying doesn't make sense to them. So you expect that. And you can't expect it all to make sense to them. And Jesus adds here explanation and emphasis. Look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Basically, drink this, you thirst again. Drink what I have, and you will never thirst again. And this points to the desires in all of us to be satisfied. The void in each heart, the God-shaped Whole, as we've heard before. See, no one on this earth can fight with the obvious fact that they crave certain satisfactions, certain feelings, certain desires to be met. And what Jesus does is he doesn't slam this woman for who she is, who she isn't, how bad she is. No, no. He calls out what she truly values. And he points to the dissatisfaction in her life. And this all starts where? Number four, He goes from the natural to the supernatural, from the normal to the spiritual. Now this has to be said. If you stay in the natural with someone, friends, it's not evangelism. It might be pre-evangelism, but you're not really sharing Jesus until you're on topic talking about the Lord. And so it it may build a bridge, but you have to go into evangelism. And what you're looking for is as the spirit leads you to bring the conversation to the spiritual. Well, how do you do that? Let me give you one of the ones that really helped me over the years. It's just a simple question. Where do you go to church or do you go to church? Now, uh, and I've said this before, I know the immediate response when you say that is somebody immediately goes, oh, Joe, I already know if I ask someone that, they're gonna say, no, I don't go to church, that's ridiculous. But that's the whole point, because now you're on topic. You can just ask, it. how come you don't go to church, right? And if they say, "Uh, no, I used to go to church, how come you used to go to church? And so those two questions have been some of the greatest inroads into people's lives I've ever had. I was on a flight with a a business guy beside me, big guy, got a laptop out. He's just, uh, you know, churning and burning, doing his business. And I struck up a conversation. I said, hey, did you go to church anywhere? And he was almost like offended. You know, like, what do you mean church? I would never go to church. He went on and on. And when I dug a little deeper, I found out what? He's like, oh, I wouldn't go to church because I've been burnt by Christians. Christians are the worst. Now listen, you can agree to some things that will um, take away their nose, by the way. Don't compromise, but you can agree to some things. He's like, oh, I I got burnt by a Christian. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, people let you down. Oh, okay, and, and then he was like, you're not offended by that? No, no, tell me what your story is. But at the end of the conversation, I was able to point out to him that, yes, Christians will let you down, but Christ never will. And he gave his life to Jesus on the flight. And it all started with, to you go to church? Even though the answer was, how dare you? I'd never go to church. Let's talk through that. It gets you on point, guys. It'll get you those moments where you can be like, hey, why don't you check out my church? and and you can swing something from the natural to the spiritual, then what? Number five, if you're taking notes, partner with the Holy Spirit. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. What do you see? She has a desire. If she didn't, would Jesus have tried to like you know, headlocker into this. No, Jesus never does that. Remember the rich young ruler? What did the rich young ruler say to Jesus? Hey, what do I gotta do to be saved? What would most Christians say to that? Oh, just pray this prayer, not Jesus. Jesus said, hmm, let's see, sell everything you have. Because Jesus is willing, guys, to ask the one thing that you're not willing to give up so that you can follow God. And in this case, this guy's riches, he went away sad. So no, he didn't try to bring it across the line, but this gal's different here. There's a desire in her. She wants this. And so as you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you continue to share as the door is open. And and this is huge. This lady saw her need, her thirst, so Jesus keeps going. Listen, this is important on the note of rejection. Rejection is not about you. It's part of sharing your faith. You just get used to it, and as you listen to the Holy Spirit, you can see when someone is thirsting and when you can keep going. All right, let's read verse 16. Here's what happens. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, but that was a shocker. In that you truly, or spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Here's number six, bring the conviction of sin. Watch what Jesus does here. He says, that's right, you have no husband. What does he know? He knows that she's fornicating, that's sex outside of marriage. She's committing adultery, breaking the seventh commandment and he's gonna bring the conviction of the law. So key, the Bible says the law is like a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And you have to put the law in there so that people feel the conviction of sin. Sometimes we're just telling people the good news and we're like, well, they didn't like it, right? You see someone in the parking lot, you're like, hey, do you want forgiveness? I'm good, I got my coffee, I'm good. But if you tell people, how they stand to pray before a holy God, how they're helpless, how they need God. They need to repent and turn from that, that they don't face the wrath that is to come. Now, when you tell them the good news of Jesus, They are fleeing from that. It's a life raft to them. We have to bring the conviction of sin. And Jesus does it everywhere. Did it with the rich young ruler. He does it here. He uses the law to bring the conviction of sin. Now the Bible says the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That means I can partner with the Holy Spirit And and bring up both their dissatisfaction with carnal living or sin. And I can also bring up the sin and the consequence. And I'm not against them. I'm actually for them. You with me? Because by telling them that, I'm telling them, man, I love you. I don't want to see you face this on your own. There's a better way. Here's Jesus. And so you need to bring the conviction of sin. Then point them to their need for forgiveness. And then the last one, number seven, point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Look, jump down to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. Do you see what's happening in her heart? It's so awesome. I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And oh, what a great verse, verse 26 is. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the one. All these men, they're not satisfying. That that well you keep drawing from, it's gonna get empty fast if it isn't already. But there is a thirst that satisfies and it's in the purity of finding forgiveness in me. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. I am he. You're looking at him. And friends, that is our job in evangelism is to get people to that good news of Jesus after we've brought the conviction of sin. You can talk about Have you noticed this? You talk about God all day with coworkers, but mention Jesus and look out. Why is that? Because Satan goes, whoa, 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 something's on the line here. Because Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now, that was speaking of two things. One, the cross, when he would be lifted up on the cross, there would be a drawing that would happen. Starting that point in history, we can all point backward to the cross. But also, when you lift him up in your workplace, in your community, with your family, you're gonna have both opposition and drawing. Do it anyway. Because guys, we don't have much time. You know what I'm saying? We don't have much time until this thing wraps up. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself. John 6 says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Philip asked the guy, what's he reading? And when the guy said, oh, I'm reading Isaiah, what does he do? He points him from Isaiah to Jesus, the Bible says. Bring Jesus into the moment. Bring Jesus into it. Friends, it's not your job to save anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's your job to lift up Jesus and the Spirit will do the drawing. You know what, maybe you've had a bad experience in this. You know, kind of a a cat illustration experience where you're like, it was just awful. I don't wanna talk about it. You don't wanna go there. But friends, listen, I just wanna say this. (laughs) We all have had bad experiences, okay? I've had them, my wife clearly has with the whole Cassandra incident. Even your own pastor has. And I just thought it'd be fun to close with this story of his failure. Is that okay? (laughs) I know how much you love him. Years ago, Brent and I were both guest speakers at a conference on evangelism. Now, I just got to say this. I've been with your pastor when he's led people to Jesus. And it's awesome to see his joy for the Lord. We have shared the gospel. In fact, we did one trip to Eastern Canada. Remember this? And we said, for fun, we didn't have to do this. We could have got a rental. For fun, let's book Ubers and just take Ubers to share the gospel with the Uber driver. So we did that all day. Do you remember that? It was just great. It's just so I've been there when he's had the successes as well. But this one, not so much so um. much. We were both guest speakers at a conference on evangelism. After one session, we were both so fired up. And he's like, man, I wanna share my faith. And so I think we were going through like a Starbucks drive-through and he goes through and he's like just, you know how awesome he is. He goes, hey, how are you? And she says, good. And they have this conversation back and forth. And, and he's like trying to look for an inroad to build relationship, keep it natural. So he goes up to the window and he's like, by the way, that's a nice accent. She goes, it's not really an accent. It's more of a speech impediment. Anyway. <laughs> And I just kind of sunk down in the car. (laughs) Drive, drive! So it doesn't always go well. Now, you know we're not saying speech impediment's funny. Come on, guys, that's not funny. What is funny is no matter how good you are, and he's good, no matter how hard or how often you do this, you're gonna have failures. But but don't give up just because you have failures. Keep going because people need Jesus. Now, I'm gonna invite the worship team up and I wanna close with a story of victory. And it's kind of interesting because while it doesn't always go well, share anyways, guys because sometimes it does go well. Now, I referenced how I got it wrong with my brother-in-law, how Brent got it wrong with that gal in the drive-through, and my wife got it wrong with Cassandra, clearly. But did you know recently, the three of us were in Israel, uh, you know, Brent and Michelle, and me and my wife, Tanya, and another pastor and his wife, we lead tours together. And um I was actually grumpy pants one day because we had to go into Bethlehem. And anybody been on an Israel tour? Yeah, it's people's least favorite place is Bethlehem. And I was like, oh, why do we have to go in here? And I was kind of like this at the back of the group. And, and then they got this tour guide on there, not a Christian, but she was supposed to talk to us about the religion of the area. And she was like, people in our group were like, wow, she doesn't like us at all. She was, you remember? She was like grumpy and they actually bad Christians. They were like, almost like making fun of her at the back of the bus. I'm like, you guys, but I was feeling it too. Anyway, so we go through this tour guide thing and then then we're out in this shepherd's field. And in this shepherd's field, um, one of the other pastors with us, Matt, he was sharing about Jesus and he was sharing about Bethlehem. And I was just looking at the tour guide, and the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my heart. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, what if I only brought you to Bethlehem for that one lady? What if I only brought you to Bethlehem to, lead, to pray with her to receive Jesus? And I was like, oh, man. But you have noticed a pattern? There's a lot of these in my life. I was like, okay, Lord. So I came up from praying. I turned around, and I start walking towards her, and guess who's there? Pastor, your pastor is there and he's sharing about the conviction of sin. And my wife's sharing with this lady about Jesus. And I just came at the end and led her through the prayer and the three failed examples of this sermon all got to lead this lady to Jesus. So (laughs) praise the Lord. I'll, I'll tell you this, you guys. I'll tell you this as we close. Stand with me if you would. That lady got back on our bus, a different lady. She came on kind of grumpy and, oh, you Canadians. And When she got back on, she had a smile ear to ear. It was the joy of the Lord. You could see it and the peace of God upon her. Jesus went to Samaria. Why? Here's why. Because it was worth it. Correction. She was worth it. That one woman made it all worth it. That one coworker that God's gonna put you in front of this week is worth it. Oh, you might get some egg on your face. You, like, you might bomb like we did once or twice. It's okay, just keep doing it. Share anyways, because that person, one day they're gonna come to church. One day they're gonna give their life to Jesus because this room is full of people, and that's their story. One day she, that person might get on a plane and give his life to Christ, or be a tour guide in Bethlehem. We don't know, but what we know is that God positions us in our sphere and in our world. And He has we're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit. And as we bring these things and the law, the conviction of sin, we point people to the hope of Jesus, they're gonna come to Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's pray. If you're in this place today and you say, Man, I I wanna know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I got brought out by somebody today and this lady's story is my, I, I, I'm, it's hitting my heart right now. And I want to come to Jesus. I want to pray for you. If that's you, anywhere across this room, pray something like this. Dear God, forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. I receive what you did on the cross as a payment for my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Meet that thirst, that need in my heart. I give you my life right now. And if you're in the room today and you're like, man, I wanna be used more for God's glory and evangelism. You know, I believe God works in divine moments and and sometimes he's looking for us to go, yes, Lord, that's me. So if that's you uh, all across this room, you say, I wanna be used, I want to see the Lord use me like he used Philip, like he used Jesus, like some of these stories and that's you. I just want you to acknowledge that by raising your hand and then I'm gonna pray for you. If you're in here and you say, yeah, that's me, then just raise your hand. I know it's me for sure. So listen, if that's you, just lift your hand and I want to pray for you right now. Dear God, would you pour out your spirit on those who are saying, I want to be used in this way and all of us, but particularly those that are responding right now, would you give them moment this week, even today, to just lift up Jesus and that you would draw all men unto yourself. Lord, we don't know how much time we've got, but we want to do the best to redeem the time we've been given for your glory and in Jesus' name, amen.